And now I have the privilege of announcing, not announcing, I always say that, uh, introducing our faith story. So for the last um, couple months and for the rest of the year, every Sunday, um, we're having someone um, from here share their story, personal um, journey with Jesus. And I get to uh, introduce to you Hallie Bender this morning. Can you guys welcome her? So I apologize. We haven't been completely... You can go and sit down. We haven't been completely forthright with Brady about what this faith story is for today. So a lot of you know that Brady is not only the person who gives our announcements, but he's been leading our youth group for several years. And he is getting married very, very soon. Yes. And unfortunately, that means that he's going to be moving. And we're super sad about that, but we're so excited for his future. And this is actually his last Sunday officially on staff for us. And so we thought, what better way to do 52 stories than to do it in a way that honors him? So we kind of snuck around having some kids that he impacted being able to share their testimony of how he impacted them. So I'm going to hand it over, and I'm going to let her take it over. My name is Hallie Bender, and I'm not actually saying my testimony, but I'm saying this speech on behalf of our whole youth group to honor our leader, Brady, who also happens to be my cousin. This is his last Sunday on staff, and he already had his last youth group where we already had a party, so this definitely should be a surprise. As soon as I knew that Brady wasn't going to be our youth pastor anymore, I knew right away that I wanted to write a speech for him. There was no way I was going to let him leave without knowing how much we have appreciated him. I have been going to youth group for months, which is not as long as some other people have, but it only took that long for me to see what impact you have made. On that first night when I came to youth group, when it was singing worship time, I looked around and was amazed at all these kids worshiping. A bunch of kids ranging in ages from middle school to high school, all worshiping in their own ways and singing their hearts out and raising their hands to the heavens is extremely powerful. It looked like it was just them and God and there was nobody else in the room. In that moment, I thought, I want that. I want to feel what they're feeling. Once I got home that night and until that next youth group, I kept going on and on to my parents about how excited I was to go back again. And after that first youth group, I am happy to say that I felt that freedom that I saw all those kids feeling that night. And that's a feeling that stays with me always, and I am extremely thankful for it. With us being cousins, I've been blessed to be able to see how you have grown through the years in your faith. I have also been blessed to be able to see how your sense of humor has evolved through the years. When we were younger and we were handing out candy at our great-grandma's house on Halloween, you would take your leg off and stick it in the door to try to scare the trick-or-treaters. <laughs> to this day, you still take your leg off to party at camp and other public events, which definitely makes you very memorable wherever you do that. I can't say I know anybody who swings their leg in the air. We love how you explain things in a way that we can understand, and we love your competitiveness when you play volleyball, football, or the trash can game, or really any other sports or games with us. Without you and Drew, Lainey and I would not have started coming to youth group, and we would have never gone to youth convention or camp, where we experienced some of the most powerful things we have ever experienced in our lives. I didn't even know I needed youth group, and now I don't know what I would do without it. I know a lot of people would say the same thing. It gets us through the week and gives us something to look forward to. I'm sure most of us would say that middle school, high school, and life in general is hard, so we have all hurt and are all broken. The walls that we build up, we break down when we come to youth group. The music you put on for us to worship to, your message, the questions you challenge us to answer, our small groups, and our alone time helps us to be vulnerable and often brings us to surrendering tears. I've learned that crying shows strength, not weaknesses, and it helps you heal. On one of the first youth groups I had ever been to, my grandma passed away just a few days before. 
I don't think that I had really cried up to that point because I didn't really fully realize it yet. On that night of youth group, you put on a song that I can't really remember what it was called, but I remember the moment clearly. I felt the weight of everybody's pain and my own come crashing down on me, and the words of the song made me break down and tears just ran down my face. It may sound like a sad moment for me, but it was a moment that needed to happen in order for me to let go, and all it took was one song at youth group one night. You may not know this, but you brought together people that have the same kind of hurt built up inside, have broken families, are mentally struggling, and people that don't know your worth. Their worth. You should be proud to know that you following God's plan for you has caused you to leave behind a group of students as a future pastor, three new missionaries, healed families, and people who for the first time no longer identify with unworthy, unworthy but as children of God. And many of us have even gotten baptized, and there are even more that plan to get baptized. I don't know about you, but I'd say that is quite a powerful impact God has used you to make on us. Going to youth group has changed my life, and I have now found a family in youth group because of you, and this family would not be the same without you. We selfishly wish that God's plan for you was to continue to stay with us, but we know that there are people out there that need your beautiful heart in their lives. Um, now I'd like to ask Talon to come up. Right height, yes, no. Thank you. Anyways, but yeah, I I was asked a while back to pick something, and I debated on what I talk about for Brady because he's impacted a huge part of my life. He's done so much for me. You know, I could talk about just when we were friends, when he used to go to youth group, or I could talk about the sheer amount of time he's put into me to build me up in my faith and the individual conversations we've had and all that time and effort he's put in. And I, could, I could talk about the times where I was like, Brady, this doesn't make sense. I need to know. And he's like, but I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I can't help you. Just pray on it. Keep reading your Bible. I'll look for something. Good luck. And I, I could go on about the moments where Brady did something stupid or silly or I could go on about the times when he would talk up here and you'd go um and uh and you'd get nervous but they didn't matter what mattered was how much Brady meant to us how much the the willingness he had to give up his time or his effort or anything and just be like all right I'm gonna stop do this with you right now because you need it and that meant more than any story I could have, and I hope we let him know how much that meant to us. I don't know we did. We're not that good at it. We're all like, you know, these very emotionally bottled up teenagers, but I hope we let him know. Can I have Brady come up, and can I also have Ellie come up with him? And we're going to have, we have some youth kids that I think are willing to come up and pray over them with us. And I'll also ask Leslie if you can come up too. We just want to pray a blessing. So we'll have, we'll have you guys stand kind of up here. And we'll have all of the youth kids, if you can, just go behind if you're able to. Otherwise, just get up on, on stage. And I would ask you guys if you could extend your hands so that we can just pray a blessing over them, and just pray our gratitude for the time that we had with them. Lord, I pray over this 
family, Lord God, that's coming together, that you have brought together, that you have great plans for. God, I pray that you just pour your spirit, your blessing, your provision, dreams, anointing on them, Lord God, as they, as they move into their future, Lord God, that you will go before them. Lord, I pray that through the ups and downs of life, that you are so close, and through every season they go through, that they know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are with them, Lord God. We thank you for the time that we had with Brady here, Lord God. We thank you for what he has poured into the, the students of this church, Lord God. And we know that that will not return void, that that will have an impact for your kingdom, Lord. And so I pray that you cement that in his heart, Lord God, of knowing that every ounce that he put into your kingdom, Lord God, matters, and that it will continue to affect these students for years and years to come. So, Lord God, we just pray a blessing over them, Lord God, and I cannot wait to see the impact for your kingdom that they have moving forward. We pray this in your name. Amen. Could you guys show your gratitude just one more time? What an awesome morning. I think honor is one of those things that is so important to the kingdom of God. And at least for me, uh, it always just makes me so excited when we can honor the, the work and the effort that someone has put into the kingdom of God. And so I encourage you as well, you know, if you've seen something in Brady that you want to speak out, speak it out to him. Let him know what he's, what he's meant, because I think that that is important. So if you'll pray with me, I'll get us ready for the message this morning. Lord, I just thank you that you're here with us. I thank you that, that we're not just talking about you. We are, we're in your presence this morning. And so, Lord, I pray that, that you give me the exact words to say, Lord, but, but you brought each person here, and you know why you brought them here. And so, Lord, would you speak exactly what you brought them here to hear this morning. God, let me be a good ambassador for who you are. And we pray this in your name. Amen. All right, today we are finishing up Colossians. You guys excited about that? Yes, we've been in Colossians for a long time. And it's going to be a really big chunk today, so kind of prepare yourself. I've been preparing myself. I've got about 17 long Greek names I have to pronounce today, so if you guys could be praying for me that I don't make a fool of myself, I would appreciate that as well. But a quick recap of last week, we talked about this idea that how we act and speak towards lost people, unbelievers, matters, that, that we can't just act however we want. Paul specifically says, look, pay attention to how you're acting and speaking towards people who are not believers, because number one, they're not your enemy. They are your mission, and you can't, you can't get those mixed up. Otherwise, you're going to end up really hurting people, and he's saying you need to act with wisdom, which is knowledge, but also understanding. You, you know things, but you also understand how to use them in conversations and grace even when we are insulted, even when they're attacking something that we are, 
really scared to lose, even when they are coming after something we love to be able to speak with, with grace and kindness. And so we're finishing up Colossians. And like I said, this is a, this is a big chunk, but this is kind of just Paul's wrap-up of the letter. So this is Colossians chapter 4, verses 7 through 18. Tachikos will tell you the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, not that one, who is called Eostos, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. A pastorus, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling for you in prayer, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and those at Laodicea and Herapolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Numphus and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippos, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Wow, that was a lot. And I'm pretty sure I pronounced at least half the names right. So that's a win for me. So here's the question. Why is this important? Why in this letter that Paul is writing to the church, is he including all of these names? Why is it worth it for me to spend a good five hours of my study time this week on pronunciations of Greek names? Why, why do we look into this? And why not just skip over it and say, hey, this was Paul's farewell. He's just talking through semantics and we can easily skip over it. Why take the, the, the time to name everybody specifically? Well, I think you guys know it. In the kingdom of God, and really to, to human beings, individuals matter, right? Individuals matter. And it's easy for us to think like, oh, it's all about, you know, big groups of people. But when it comes to our hearts, we are moved by individuals. We're, we're moved by, by names. And, and that's why I could come to one of you and say, hey, you know, this tragedy happened. Um, somebody's house burned down and they lost everything and and you would be moved and you'd be like that's sad but if if i say hey this person your neighbor or your your aunt or your cousin and i and i give a name and you know that person and i say this tragedy happened it hits differently because we were made for for understanding things on an individual basis. And this is where Paul is, he's calling out specific names to say, you know these people. These aren't just faceless people. These are, these are people you know and have had experience with. 
And that is incredibly important because we were made for connection. Do you guys know that? That you were made for connection. And it's easy for us to pretend like that's not the case, for us to be like, nope, I'm strong, I'm independent. You know, that's a very cultural thing for us, especially for guys. No, I'm strong, I'm independent, I can handle it on my own. But the Bible says otherwise. All the way back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. The God who designed us, the God who made us, understands that we were not made to be alone. We were made to have connections with other people. And that's the first thing we have to understand. And this is why to Paul it was important to take this this end of his letter and to give specific names so that there is a connection. This isn't just a blank letter, do this, don't do that. He's letting this church understand hey, you know us, we're real people, and you're real people, and we're all trying to do this thing together. Connection, I would say, is one of the most underutilized parts of the church today. And I think that, let me, let me put it to you this way. So I had a year in my life, right before I met Les, where I was 100 pounds overweight, and I lost 100 pounds in a year. Most of you know that. That's when I kind of learned discipline, and, and there was all sorts of stuff that God taught me in that year. But there was a trick that I learned to that that I've carried over ever since then, is someone told me, if you are just kind of hungry for a snack, you guys ever had that? Well, you're just kind of hungry, but you don't know what you want, right? You open the fridge, and you're just kind of scanning it, and you're like, mm, nothing's really calling my name, but I kind of want a snack, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? Okay, not alone. That's good. And in my old life, it would be like, well, let's eat a whole bag of chips and see, right? And then be like, nope, that wasn't it. So let's have some cookies and see. Is that it? Nope, that didn't quite hit. And, and so someone told me, basically, if you, are, if you feel like you want a snack and you're just not sure, it's actually probably that you're thirsty, they said, your, your brain isn't that great at telling you that it's thirsty, and sometimes it misunderstands it. So the, what I learned is, like, if I'm at that place where I'm just kind of feeling snacky, and I'm not sure what, I drink a big glass of cold water, and I just give myself 10 minutes. And then if I'm still hungry, great, I'll eat. That's fine. But most of the time, it's like the water was actually what I was missing. I was just misunderstanding it. Now, I, I'm, this is not a weight loss message, so please don't worry about that. The reason I'm saying this is because I found a very similar thing when it comes to kind of a, an emotional dryness or a spiritual dryness. Do you guys ever have that? Where you wake up and you're just a little spiritually dry. You're a little emotionally dry. You're not quite sure what you're missing. You're just a little off. Something doesn't quite feel right. You're not yourself. You're, you're, you're just, you need something. I found in the same way that when I physically feel that way, it's usually water and not the stuff I normally go to. When it comes to spiritual and emotional, it's almost always connection, and I always go to something else. And, and that's something that I've started to, to just understand in my life. When I have that just where I'm just emotionally like off and just a little dry, a little hungry, almost always... What it is that I'm missing is a connection with somebody. is either with a person 
or with, with God. There's, there's a disconnect, and there's something in my soul that's longing for connection, and it's not always the best at telling me that. But I have learned in my life that if I just say, you know what, it's time for me to connect. And the hard thing is, like, when you're feeling like that, connecting with someone else is the last thing you want to do, right? You don't want to talk to somebody when you're feeling emotionally dry. But when you, when you understand that, man, I was made for connection with other believers. That, that was how I was made. And you, you actually give that a chance. You would be shocked at the difference it makes. And I think what's hard about it is right now we are living in a time and in a culture where we have lots of interactions, right? We have lots of interactions. We have very little connection in this day and age. Would you guys agree with that? There's very little connection. And that's kind of the, the problem of, of social media is it gives us that feeling of interaction, right? Potato chips. They kind of taste good, but that wasn't what you actually needed. You're still hungry afterwards. And, and that connection that truly feeds our souls, we're missing it. And connection, I believe, is one of the things that the church can offer that can say, look, we're different than the world because this is a place where you can find true connection. And this is why Paul took that time to list name after name after name is because he understood the importance of, I'm not just going to throw a bunch of rules at you. I'm not just going to yell at you. I want there to be a connection between us because that is important. And so we actually can learn quite a bit about connection from this chunk of Colossians because I would argue that we cannot be the church, not just the mill, but we can't be the church without connections to each other, that, that that's an integral part to what the church is supposed to be. So here are some things that we can learn from the end of this letter from Paul. Number one, you have to share with each other. This is what Paul says, that you may know about our circumstances. He doesn't try to hide it. He's like, I'm specifically sending this person to you so that they can tell you the real deal of what's going on with me. All of the ups and downs that we're going through so that they can truly explain it so that you can understand what's happening. Believe it or not, I have gotten in trouble in my time in ministry. I know that's hard to believe. I've actually gotten scolded a few times. I know it's hard to believe. Do you know what I have gotten scolded about the most? Is being too open with people. Can you believe that? I've actually had my superiors pull me aside and be like, no, you, you, you're being too open with people. I've had congregants that are underneath me be offended because I've just told them what's going on. You know, there, there'll be a day where I have a headache and I'm just kind of grumpy. I know no one else has those days, but I have those days. And if someone's like, how are you doing? I'll be like, I got a headache and I'm grumpy today. And I've had people get really upset. You're the pastor. You can't be grumpy. And it's like, well, yeah, that happens. Because I truly believe, just like Paul, it's like we have to be vulnerable with each other. We have to be open with each other. Otherwise, how on earth can we have a connection? If I'm not even showing you who I actually am, how could you ever be connected to me as a human being, if all I'm doing is giving you a pretend person, you can't connect with a pretend person. You have to connect with a real person. 
And that's where I know a few weeks ago I, I read that verse where Paul talked about all of his beatings. You guys remember that? He's like, I'm getting beaten in the country. I'm getting beaten in the city. I'm getting in like, he's going through all that. This is what he says after that in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 11 through 13. He says, We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and opened wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children, open wide your hearts also. He's like, look, I'm sharing with you what's going on. I could easily say, no, everything's fine. I got this. And as a leader, there's definitely that temptation to be like, no, I'm good. I'm good. We got this. But Paul's like, no, I chose to just tell you what's going on because I want my heart to be wide open to you. And he scolded them like, you're withholding from us. You're not being vulnerable. You're not sharing. I'm, I'm laying my heart out, and you're just kind of holding back. And he's like, there, there needs to be a connection here between us. I think the Corinthians were probably putting on a church face. You guys know what that means, right? You get into a huge argument with your spouse. You scream at your kids. You don't talk on the way to church, and then you come in, and everything's great. Hey, life's good. We got, we're all good, right? And we pretend. We pretend like everything is fine. If you were to follow Paul, you would not do that, because Paul's like, no, I'm going to open wide my heart. Now, again, there's wisdom. I'm not telling you to find every new person that comes to church and is like, you want to hear about how bad my life is? Like, that's not what I'm saying. And there, there is wisdom to know certain situations. Okay, maybe I have a, a close-knit group of friends that I share with, and maybe I don't share with everybody. So there is wisdom there, and I'm not saying that you need to announce everything bad that's happening in your life. But what I'm cautioning against is this idea that we have of putting on a facade for everybody, that everything is great, everything is awesome, when it's not. Because that's simply not the example that we have in Scripture. Paul was like, no, if I'm getting beat, I'm going to tell you that I'm getting beat. Because then we can actually have a connection with each other. And, and the beautiful thing about this is it usually only takes one person, maybe a couple people, to actually be open and honest to give everybody else the permission to do so. This is why, for me, it has been a hill that I'm worth dying on. All through my time in ministry, it's like, I'll get yelled at. I will get scolded. Because I know there's people dying to share what's happening in their life. And if I am willing to even say something as dumb as I have a headache and I'm grumpy today, I have opened the door to say, it's okay to be real. And, and it really only takes one person. It's like the, the story of the emperor's new clothes. You guys know that story? Where everyone's pretending. Everyone's pretending and no one wants to be the person who says like, no, you're actually not wearing any clothes. And it took one little kid to actually say it for everyone else to feel the freedom to be like, yeah, I, I can't see those clothes either. And for, for all of us, it's the, the courage to say, maybe I'll be the one, again, in wisdom, maybe starting with a close-knit group of friends to share what's actually going on. But there's a reason why we don't do this. It's because most of us, or at least some of us, have been burned when we have, right? 
if we're being honest, I've been vulnerable, and it hasn't gone very good. And that, that comes to the second thing we learn here in Colossians, is not only do we need to share with each other, but we need to fight for each other. This is what Paul says, we're always wrestling in prayer for you, working hard for you. And, and here's where I need to be very stern is that the only way this works, the only way that, that we can be a church where we're connected with each other is if the information that is shared is not used for gossiping about each other. See, that's the problem, is for a lot of us, we have been vulnerable, we have shared, and someone has used it to kind of gossip. And I will just say flat out, gossiping will kill connection faster than anyone else, anything else. And if we are a church that has any gossiping, then there cannot be any connection because nothing kills connection like gossiping does. There's a reason that gossiping is listed on the list of sins that is like, hey, this, these people won't enter the kingdom of God. It's listed up there with all of the big bad sins that we are shocked at. Gossiping is right up there with it because connection, which is such a core part of what the church is, is destroyed when it happens. And so not only do we need to share with each other, but when things are shared, we need to use that information to fight for each other. That needs to be the reason that we listen, is when we hear about struggles, when we hear about even failures of the people around us. We don't talk, we don't scold, we fight for each other. And if you want connection to be really encouraged and grown within our midst. Fight for each other when you find something out about what's going on. In Galatians, Paul talks about what happens when you find out that a brother or sister is, is caught up in sin, right? So this isn't even just like a, a rough time. This is someone failed. Someone messed up. Someone is in a bad place. And he says to restore them gently, but this is what he goes on to say in Galatians chapter two, 6, verse 2. He says, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. And most of you have heard that verse, carry each other's burdens. But did you know that it was directly talking about when a brother or sister is caught in sin? Don't talk about it. Don't, don't point it out so you can feel better about yourself. That is when you get down with them and you carry burdens with them. If you do that, watch what happens in the connections that can happen in the body of Christ. We pick each other up when we fall. That's what we're called to do. It actually says when we do that, we fulfill the law of Christ when we're willing to fight and work for each other. And there's lots of ways of doing this. It could be honestly just listening. It could be giving advice. But sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's just listening. It's encouraging each other. The Bible talks about stirring each other up when someone's down. And you guys know that. There's times in our lives where it just looks dark. It's like, man, I can't get through this. And to have someone come and just stir you up a little bit and encourage you is huge. Like Paul said, praying for each other. And sometimes it is helping like Meeting a physical need if someone's struggling and they, they have a need, if you can meet it, great. I do want to warn you, though, it's not all up to you because otherwise you will collapse under the weight. This carrying each other's burdens needs to be a group effort. 
And so if you see someone who's struggling, I'm not saying it's your job to fix the situation for them. No, it has to be a group. We have to come together as a body of Christ and lift each other up. And it's going to be, you might just play one small part in it. You might just listen. You might just be praying. You might be meeting one need. Even if they have many needs, maybe you can meet one. This is fighting for each other. How we respond to sensitive information being given to us will determine what kind of community we have. That's just really it. We will have the community based on how we respond. And, and I've seen it. People will give you sensitive information. If you make friends, which I hope that you do, people are going to let you into their life a little bit. And how you respond to that is really going to determine the community that, that we have. And so you, you share with each other, but then just as important as you fight for each other, you don't gossip about each other. And, and by the way, this is not, I'm not yelling at you because I think that there is gossiping going on. I haven't been here long enough to even know. So don't feel like I'm doing that. But this is one of those universal things that needs to be talked about and addressed. We have to fight for each other. Even if someone has failed, even if someone has messed up, we fight for each other. But there's one more lesson in this idea of connection, and that's we learn from each other. This is what Paul says. You, in turn, read the letter from Laodicea. So what Paul is saying is he's, he wrote a letter to the Colossians, and he wrote a letter to the church in Laodicea, and he's, he's basically saying, look, you guys read each other's letters. Now, why would he say that? Because it's easy for us to be like, well, I don't want to read what you're telling somebody else. I want to read just what you said to me. But he's like, no, actually learn from each other. That's one of the added benefits of actually being connected to each other is that you can learn from each other. You don't have to handle all of the tough things yourself. You can watch and learn from what someone else is going through. And it's, it's really easy to think that lessons are for other people. And I used to be that person where I would listen to a sermon and I'd be like, oh, you know who really needs to hear this, right? And it's like, me, I'm the one who really needs to hear this. That's why I'm here is because there's something for me here. But Paul was saying, no, what I wrote to the Laodiceans, you need to learn that too. And, and don't wait for me to write a letter to you. Learn from what I'm, I'm, I'm saying to them. And that's what I'll say, look around. I promise you, every single person here, no matter the age or education level, can teach you something. There's, there's something that we can learn from every single person here. And we have to humble ourselves to just really admit that we need to learn from each other. And that's part of being in the body of Christ, is that we get to learn from each other. When we share our circumstances with each other and really get invested and fight for each other, we actually learn from other people's circumstances. I believe this was one of the reasons that Paul was always sharing his trials and not hiding it. Because he's like, look, I could hide it. I could tell you everything's fine, but I'm going to tell you how it is. All of the difficulties that I'm going through is Philippians chapter 4, verse 9. He says this. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So here's some great news. 
is you don't have to learn every lesson the hard way. Isn't that great news? You don't have to feel the pain of every single lesson because if we are invested in each other's life, you actually learn lessons from the the difficulties and the trials of others as you walk with them through it. I'm the worst. You can ask my dad. I had to learn everything the hard way when I was a kid. Anybody else? It's like, nope, I got to learn that the hard way. I need to make sure that fire is hot. I need to feel that pain And as I've matured, I've learned, oh, I don't have to actually feel that pain. I can watch someone else and be invested in in their life. And as they feel the pain, I can learn that. I grew up with a dad who was a pharmacist. And here was his theory on fixing things. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm a good pharmacist. So I would rather work an extra shift and then pay someone else who knows what they're doing to fix everything. So I grew up being taught nothing. I think I used a drill for the first time at 24. The problem is I love fixing stuff. I love doing projects. So I was kind of stuck in this place of like, I don't know how to do anything. And I'm like 24. And so what I would do is when someone else would have something that broke at their house, I would be like, can I come help you? Because I don't know how to do that. That thing that you're doing, I don't know how to do. And so I don't want to wait until it happens in my house. I would rather learn on your house because then when it happens in my house, I already know what I'm doing. And so I would do that. I would just give away my work for free. And my, my payment was I learned something. And we can do this with each other when we get invested in each other's life. It's like, man, maybe I have never had to go through the trial that you're going through right now. But because I'm invested, and again, not for gossiping, but because I want to fight for you. I want to be involved with this. I want to encourage you and and, and stir you up to get through this. Now I'm learning lessons from trials that I don't even have to go through. That's pretty good news for all of us. And I think that the more that we are invested in this, this is where he says to be mature and grown up is that we're learning continually from each other, not only the things we're individually walking through, But what we're all walking through, we're learning from those things. I think that if we get this, it's going to save us a lot of pain. I know it saved me a lot of pain when when that light bulb finally went on for me of like, I don't have to actually personally go through every single trial. I can can learn from the trials of those that that I'm invested in, that I'm I'm walking through life with. So let's wrap this up today. And, And I'll try to make it... Really simple, as we wrap up the book of Colossians, we were made for connection. And if you feel emotionally and spiritually dry, uh, chances are you're lacking connection either with God or with other believers in some way. We connect by sharing what's really happening. Again, maybe it's only to a select group of people, and there is wisdom in that. But being willing to be vulnerable with at least some people in your life you will, you will start to grow that connection. We connect by fighting for each other because that, that keeps us from getting into the gossiping and judging and, and putting other people down so that we feel better about ourselves. If you're busy fighting for that person, you're not going to have to worry about that. And we connect by learning from each other. And if we can do that, I think it's going to shock us all the lack of spiritual dryness that we'll feel and emotional dryness 
Because again, in a world that's just about interaction, just about, hey, how are you doing? And that's it. If we can be a place of actual connection, that will be a huge light in this world. And so if you would stand, I want to pray. And I want to I pray a benediction over you as well, a blessing for, for this coming week. Father God, I thank you. I thank you that you made us for connection. And not only did you make us for connection, but, but God, you've, you've created this body of Christ in which we have other believers to rely on, to, to connect with, to fight with, to share burdens with, Lord God. And I thank you that you have given us that, Lord God. And so I pray that for each of us, we lean into this, Lord God. In wisdom, Lord, show us who is the right person to share what's going on. What, what, what group, Lord, could, could provide us that encouragement and that support, Lord God. I pray that you surround each person with people who will fight for them, who will carry burdens with them, Lord God. And I pray that you protect each of us from trying to take on all of that weight our, ourselves, but that you would truly just tell us, Lord, how we can fight for that person in a, in a way that, that you are actually calling us to do that. And Lord, I pray that we would learn from each other. I pray that as we go through trials, Lord, rather than judging, rather than, than putting each other down, rather than talking about what the other person is going through, that we would be invested in, in truly learning and growing and, and becoming more mature in our faith, Lord God, even as the trials maybe not be specifically ours. And so then, Lord, I, I pray benediction over everyone here. Lord, I pray over this coming week that you would protect everybody here, Lord God. I pray that, that no harm would come to anybody here. I pray that your goodness is shown to them, Lord. I pray that anybody here who has been waiting for a breakthrough, that, that something would happen this week, Lord God, that there would be something that moves this week, Lord. And even if it doesn't completely take care of everything, that, that it, it rises some hope up, Lord God, in us. I pray that you give us opportunities to be ambassadors for your kingdom, to serve in your kingdom, to, to speak, Lord God, to, to those around us. And I pray that we would take advantage of those opportunities, Lord. Lord, I thank you for the body of Christ. I thank you for these people here, Lord God, that we are not in this alone. We don't need to do this alone, Lord God. And we pray this in your name. Amen.